Another edition of the Behind the You podcast. We're going to welcome him. It's not just a welcome. We're going to welcome Ken Masur, the new head coach of the University of Miami soccer team, joins us. How are you? How did that sound? It's alarming, but it's, <laughs> it's really exciting. It's alarming, but it's exciting. You know, just being down here has been really fun so far. And, you know, when I met the team and all that, it's just, you know, you finally realize, like, let's get going. We got a lot of work to do, so. So I was going to open with with us uh, another question, but instead yeah. I'll I'll open with this, and then we'll get back to that, and this thing will just kind of go its own merry way. So how's it been? You said you've been crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know we came down a few weeks ago, like last week. I got in, uh, introduced to the team, and then down and back in a day from Nashville. Uh, my family, my wife, and two children are still there. You know, finishing up school. So I flew back down this past Sunday. Um, to get some recruiting in, have some young women on campus, um, and then I'll go back to Nashville for Christmas and make my way back down here a little bit. But you just kind of glanced over that recruiting thing, so to speak, because <laughs> you, you, the way you told it to me, it wasn't as, it didn't see, I want to say easy, but it wasn't as quiet, I guess, as maybe a calm, there, a lot going on. Yeah, we had, you know, obviously the women's soccer dead period started Friday morning. So from announcement, on Tuesday, I think it was, to actually getting folks on campus. We had to, the staff here uh, that has been in place was just excellent trying to, you know, work behind the scenes to get it done. Um, and we had four young ladies on campus in a very brief amount of time. And I actually, I didn't talk to you about this. I actually drove up to uh, West Boca High School and watched a high school game on Wednesday. I, I was surprised, it was, you know, an hour and a half to get up there. Yeah. Uh, nobody told me about that. Did you get stuck in traffic? I, I mean, it was something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's um, fun. you know, look, Radikovich did a good job, Dan. Then he, you know, you leave a few things out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but it was great. So we got to see a young lady that'll be coming in here in the fall. And again, it was, you know, awesome to kind of get out, get the lay of the land and start recruiting as soon as we could. When do they sign? When when could they sign, I should say? So I believe we have a few young ladies signed already. There's a few kind of in the works that we'll work through over the next, you know, few months or so. But our official signing period starts about a month ago in women's soccer. I got you. So how was it getting up in front of the team for the first time? Like, I'm sure you played that in your head. If you, I've had to guess. I'm sure that played in your head a few times. Going back and watching the tape, how'd you, how would you rate yourself there? It was around sea level, I think. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think... Look, if I'm being honest, and that's what this is supposed to be about, it was I you get nervous for those moments, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, one of the things my wife said is like, you know, they're in a place where they don't know anything about you. I don't know anything about them. And it's, you know, this dynamic where everyone thinks that, you know, I'm just going to walk in and there's not going to be any feelings there. But, you know, you're you walk in and there's, you know, 25 young women looking up and going, how are you going to? change my life or not over the next few years, that's a lot. And, you know, I understand that, you know, there's going to be, you know, a lot of thought that goes into every word that I said. So I was really cautious and careful to make sure that I was really, you know, mindful of who they are as people and what they were going through at first. The soccer and the X's and O's, that'll take care of itself over time here. But, you know, the initial thing was like, look, I know this is going to be hard. It's not easy for me either. But over the next few months, we're going to learn a lot of from each other and you know as long as we you know promise to put our best foot forward and work super hard we're going to have a great time now the other thing i should mention just so the people get to know this is and we were talking briefly before we started which is like there was like a genuine 
like excitement for like you were like fire you're like man this place i love it so far two weeks i can't believe it like there's like just a genuine yearning uh, you know what i mean like a, a sort of a, an ignited passion of just now that you, forget that you got the job but now that you have the job and yeah. and have the job here i should say i mean when the when there was an announcement here that there was a, a change in place i mean it was one of the jobs that i you know had thought over their time here had just been there's a lot of room for growth. And when the job came open, I was, you know, I talked with my current boss at Vanderbilt, Darren, and, you know, we kind of put together a, a thought process of how I would go after it and and target the job. And I'm really glad I did because I think, you know, walking around on campus and, and actually being a part of the recruiting process now, I like, you know, I texted my wife, I'm like, I can't believe I get to walk people around here and I get to be a part of this. It's just really exciting. I was going to ask you, Miami comes open. My question uh, was going to be, who made the first move, right? Like sometimes you see a job that you want. Sometimes an aid, you're on you're on somebody's list. They make that call. So from your perspective, why my, I know you said opportunity, for, but you didn't just glance it on your, you didn't just yeah, pop no, up on no, Twitter no. and keep going. Like you probably stopped for a second and said, wait a second, this might be the one. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you have an opportunity to, to play in what has historically been one of, if not the best soccer conference in the country um, with a program that has a lot of growth and a lot of potential. You know, I, I don't remember if I'm honest with you, how it goes, who reached out to who first, but it's kind of one of those things where, you know, like, are you interested? Am I interested? Are we interested? Like it's, it kind of, you know, the, the dance kind of happens, but you know, after I got the first call and, and got in contact I mean, it was a it was a hundred miles an hour to get down here and get going. Join us at Gulfstream Park this spring with live action Thursday through Sunday. Enjoy entertainment outdoors at the Carousel Club or feast in Ten Palms. Not hungry? Visit our many on-site shopping locations from fashion stores to home furnishings. For schedules, reservations, and tickets, visit GulfstreamPark.com. You said you had like a little plan in place to kind of position yourself best. You yeah. want to share any of those little secrets? No, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, I, I think, you know, again, what I've been involved in most of my career is high academic, high ac achieving student athletes in elite conferences. You know, I think, you know, people could argue that the Ivy League at the University of Pennsylvania is unbelievably elite in terms of the type of folks that you bring in. And they're always having programs that can compete, you know, at the highest level in the NCAA tournament and Vanderbilt, when we went there, you know, there was a lot of room for growth there too, you know, being around, you know, high functioning, high achieving individuals, you know what you're going to get day in and day out. So I felt like Miami was a similar situation, unique program, unique city, elite conference. Like it's a fun way to sell four years of a college experience to someone. So not for nothing, but you are talking to a Penn grad. You are. Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. Oh, when congrats. I, yeah. When I saw that come up that when I saw that come up, I was like, this will be interesting. We got to have to have a little <laughs> chit chat about that. We and oddly enough, the football team played Temple this year. And it was the <laughs> one trip where our plane left probably earlier, a little earlier than normal, yeah. so to speak. Oh, that's awesome. Which was awesome because we got in earlier and literally and we stayed downtown so I literally probably cruised campus from the left the hotel and was on campus for like three or four hours. It was how awesome. different does it look? Well, it's funny. I, I get that all the time. Well, I didn't get that, but from people I spoke to when I was there. So I mean, you went there what? Year, oh, ages ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm an old man. <laughs> so um, 
I would say sort of like the perimeter of campus, right? Yeah. It was different. But when you're in the middle of campus, like where Ben mm -hmm. Franklin's sitting on the bench, like in the heart of yeah. it, it didn't look different at all. It looked yeah. like exactly the same than which I thought was was weird. Obviously, there. look, I walked by the place where I lived my last two years with like 15 other guys, and that building had been knocked down and rebuilt in the luxury, luxury apartment living. So that was different. But like in the heart of campus, like by the button, by the library, yeah. going up a locust walk, like that was all the same. Popped into the palestra. There you go. Had to pull on a few doors, but got in there. And that yeah, was good uh, and, for you. And we were we were there for a good run. So popped in the to Franklin Field. So yeah, it was. It, yeah. It, it, Did you it was, meet up with Mahoney, Moho, and uh, those guys over there? No, but that's why I was. That's why I went to uh, when I was in college. That's what that's what those the guys that were there. So oh, it wow. was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was unbelievable. So it, it was. It was awesome. So I was going to actually get into that in a second, but here. So here I was going to start the podcast. This sorry, way. I'm and jumping all over the place. No, no, no. I don't give it. It's fine. I was just going to curse. So it's early, but. Um, <laughs> I was going to make this the only one question podcast in the history of this in the 150 episodes of this, but we won't oh, do gosh. it that way. But but it was going to be how does a guy, Ken Masur, who went to college near the Jersey Shore, end up as the head coach in Miami? Man, it's <laughs> what a, what a crazy, crazy turn of events. And, you know, I was I forget who I was talking to about this, but there is no reason why I should be in this seat right now outside of being extremely fortunate to work with the folks that I've worked with having a work ethic that I grew frankly playing in in division three and you know getting lucky I think in working hard I mean those are two of the things that you know sometimes you know the hard work part you can control but the the fortunate bit is um you know and I was never an unbelievable academic so you know working in the Ivy League was like foreign to me but you know my first when i interviewed on campus at penn you know the some of the players had like sat me down and interviewed me and asked me some of the most thoughtful questions that i had been a part of things that didn't necessarily you know kind of lead to like x's and o's but it was more like you know what are some of your core values how do you approach you know growing young women into the game and into life and i was like whoa okay and you still got the job this. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know if anybody was left. Uh, so, um, um, but Wait, that's where, has that ever happened before? Have you ever been interviewed by current members of the team during an interview process? So at Penn I did. And then at Vanderbilt, Darren had already been in place. Um, so I think your biggest resource when you're in these jobs, when you're the head coach is the team that you brought in. They've worked under you for a certain number of years. They understand the core values and the expectations of the program. What better resource than to have current players chat with potential folks that you're going to bring into the program? I, I thought it was unbelievable. It was excellent. So, you know, through that, I went and did, you know, four years at Penn and, you know, just fell in love with the process of high achieving, high academic folks. And, and how they chose to live their life because it was not that it was foreign to me, but it was, it was just their work ethic and how they compartmentalize, you know, going to school and playing soccer at an elite level was just it really inspiring. And I really wanted to be around that for the rest of my career as long as I could. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. 
The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. That reminds me of my first paper I wrote at Penn. It was like a five-page deal, and that's pretty historic, right? And it's like a handwritten <laughs> deal, and then you go to the computer lab, yeah. and I was like, oh, crap. One page written is not the same as one page typed. I'm, yeah. I'm 50% oh short. <laughs> oh, no way. Right, I'm short here. We got to work all, all, all night to kind of get this figured out. But interviewed by the students and getting those questions, did it, yeah. did it help shape you as a coach? Because I imagine they were, that's the first time you've probably been presented with stuff that maybe you hadn't really thought of. Yeah, I mean, you know, each program that I've stopped has done their version of culture building and team building. But, you know, my focus, you know, in going to Penn was, you know, like this. What does the team look like on the field? How do we get them fit? How do we get them strong? And then when they started asking those questions, your field of vision starts to open up. And when we took the job at Vanderbilt, my field of vision was, you know, while it was like this at Penn, coming to Vanderbilt, it was, you know, sitting in the room, you realize it's still like this. So then after nine years at Vanderbilt, your field of vision opens up again. And, you know, each place provided different experiences for me in terms of growth as a coach, like you're mentioning, different challenges being in the SEC versus the Ivy League is, as you can imagine, very <laughs> different. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, you still have folks that want to achieve at a high level. And, you know, at Vanderbilt, you know, we had access to some of the best athletes in the world. Coach, um, you mentioned, I think, I think I heard this right. You said something about you developed your work ethic playing soccer at Stockton College. Is that, did I hear that right? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think that's where I developed it, but that, you know, I, I felt like, you know, you don't have the resources, you don't have, you know, the bells and whistles, um, but it still was an unbelievable experience because of the people that you were around. You know, we get lost in a lot of this in, you know, being now at this level. But, you know, the, the locker room is the most important place to a group of student athletes and not because it's got, you know, the speakers and the chargers and the TVs. It's because of the people that sit next to you. And we were in a common space at Stockton in a, in a change room in the recreation center in Big Blue. And, you know, that might have been, you know, it, it didn't matter where we were because the guys that were sitting next to us were just wonderful people. And when you were done there, was it right in the coaching or did you try to play or what happened? Yeah, no, I, I didn't want to play after I was done. You know, I think you kind of go through this process where as a player, you know, you're on the field for the, your last game and you kind of get the sense that, you know what, this I've done enough. I've put everything on the line here enough as the clock, you know, ticks down you know, you don't necessarily, you're not upset because it's over. You're kind of like, wow, I just, I went through a lot to get here and it's a lot of run of emotions. So um, I started coaching, you know, um, it, while I was in school actually, and, um, you know, small club teams and things like that. And then, you know, eventually found my way, you know, volunteering for Chrissy Turner at Monmouth, you know, living on, living on couches and living in, you know, the dream, the dream. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, Chrissy gave me a shot to coach, you know, at the division one level. So it was, it was kind of like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get where I want to go. And she, Dr. Turner now, who's the head coach at Penn, strangely enough, you know, 
gave me my first shot of working with division one athletes. And you loved it. Like, did you, at that point, is that when you kind of knew like, yeah, I'm going after this hardcore. Yeah. It was tough though, because you know, as a, as a volunteer, you have to, and, and as a third assistant, whatever it was at the time, you have so many different buckets that you've got to fill. You know, you've got to be the person that's pumping the balls and making sure training's ready. And Oh, by the way, you have two other jobs to try to make ends meet. Like, you, you know, the, the focus, it really kind of zeroed in to me what I wanted to do, which was not coaching club soccer. It was not, you know, working in the soccer post and selling retail, you know, it was, it was, I want to be at this level and I want to have access to the best student athletes in the world. And, you know, I want to try to pursue a, a championship at whatever level I could. And, you know, she started instilling me some of those, you know, little nuggets to like, say, okay, this is how you start to put together a coaching foundation. Now you're the coach of Vanderbilt, Darren Ambrose, correct? Yep. Yes. You were with him at Penn? Yes, sir. So he hired you there, obviously, right? Yes. Was there a gap between him going to Vanderbilt and you going to Vanderbilt? You all went together about about a month and a half. Oh, okay. That so you guys have been, but you you were by his side for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Darren Darren was a, 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 a accomplished head coach. He won three Ivy League championships before I got there, but I think you know the role for him started to change and he found more success i think when he had someone in place for longer periods of time because you know the trust and the camaraderie of working with someone that you're very familiar with you know what they can bring you know what the, where their holes and their you know deficiencies are for you know and you could start to work with that so you know when he left to go to vanderbilt it wasn't like you're definitely coming which was a shock to the system you know that's for sure it wasn't a month and a half and just transition. It was a month and no, a half. Like, no, we're no, no. Well, I wanted to be the head coach of Penn. Ah. I want. I was, you know, a young buck that was like, I'm going to go be the head coach at Penn. And did you interview? I did. I did. And ultimately, like, through the interview process and meeting with some of the head coaches there, I just wasn't ready for it. Remember I said the field division was, right. I just was still too tight. And I didn't understand everything that kind of went into this job and, there was no way that I could have served the athletes at Penn the same way that I feel like I can serve the athletes here at Miami. When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! So you interview there, obviously you get, you get a little dose of reality, right? And then <laughs> Pretty Darren, much. But, yeah. but Darren also says, Hey, this is automatic. So then how did that come to be? Yeah. So I think, you know, just like any situation, you want to get a sense of, you know, what you're working with and the folks that are there now. So I think Darren, you know, went down to Vanderbilt and had to assess, you know, are those folks that are there appropriate for what he was trying to do? And you know, again, having somebody that he's worked with for four years, maybe he wanted to think about finding somebody that could do it better. And maybe, you know, I think when you have that in place already, you really try to see if you can upgrade first. And then, you know, as things go again, I'm not sure what was in his mind, but he and I had had some pretty serious conversations over that time. And he was like, look, we'd love to have you down. I know you want to go through the process of pen. 
the minute that you know or they say no thank you let me know and it was you know i went through the interview process and the next morning i told them i was coming because you knew i knew yeah i i knew that i wasn't ready that you know i knew that i wanted to operate in the sec i wanted the chance to see you know you want to you want to find out if your stuff is any good and what better league to start than a program that is you know a top 50 education in the country in the sec for me that was and that was the opportunity that was given so i was super excited to go did i hear you say that when you were interviewing for the pen job you also interviewed or had conversations with other head coaches on campus yeah that part of the interview process for them right so other coaches like the football yeah. i'm just making right? yeah. field that- hockey lacrosse um the men's coach rudy fuller at the time they were there too and i, I don't know you know, what their thoughts of me were. That seems pretty unique too. Yeah, I think. Do you think that's because of, they think that that university, you know, that sort of climate that like, hey, just this is what you're in, getting into at this school, so to yeah, speak? Yeah, I think potentially. But I think, you know, for me, it's it was, you know, there's nobody that knows the process better than the current coaches that are, are in the hunt and in the fight with you in terms of recruiting and things like that. And I think they were, you know, very curious to see how I do things potentially different than Darren. Right. Now, how'd you get to connect to Darren? The listserv. My Chrissy, Dr. Turner had seen the job posting. Darren put it out and I just reached out and was on campus the following week. Yeah. So you had no prior relationship? No prior relationship, nothing. And I actually think like, you know, in the hiring process, that's not necessarily bad. You know, you know, everyone thinks, you know, you make hires out of your friends. And I, you know, Darren was unique and, and kind of instilled in me, like it's, you find the best person for what you need in that moment. And you try to fill that and, and fill as many buckets as you can. So what I wanted to ask you about Darren was clearly he's had an impact on your life, right? Per- sure. I'm sure personally and professionally. And you're probably sitting in this chair uh, <laughs> as much as is you, he's helped shape, you know, probably had the, yeah. I would imagine had some of the greatest influence on you. And it's funny because we've had plenty of people come through here in different sports that this is kind of the magical question, right? Like you just alluded to this at Penn, right? you want to be a head coach. You're ready to be a head coach. You think you know what it's like to be a head yeah. coach and then yeah. you become a head coach. And obviously you're just starting that part of the process. But what did you observe of Darren being in that chair that you think you can bring with you as you are now in the chair? Yeah, I think, you know, over time, what I realized very quickly about Darren is he's an unbelievable manager of people. He knows how to keep, you know, you hear this a lot, keep the main thing, the main thing on his plate. And then, you know, things that he doesn't necessarily like to do or the things that aren't the priority for him. He's he's really good at delegating and making sure that other people are supporting you know, his mission. And I think the biggest challenge that I've had so far in sitting here is asking people for help in doing some of the tasks that help set us up for success, but then, you know, other people are capable of doing. So Darren, over our course of time, like, you know, the first few years, it's more, Ken, you're the assistant coach, you're going to support, you know, our decision-making. And over time, you know, when we won the SEC in 2018, when I was, I think I was named the associate head coach before that season, you start to collaborate a bit more. You start to take the bigger pieces in the program and you start to like have a little bit more responsibility for, you know, 
the day-to-day, not just what's 30 minutes or what's an hour and a half in front of you. Darren's views on culture building and, you know, how he puts together a roster, unbelievably insightful. And again, at universities that are uh, unique, there's, it's, it's hard to do than comparable to the regular state school across the country. There's a lot more hurdles and there's a lot more, you know, challenges and roadblocks that speed bumps, let's say speed bumps that you have to be prepared for that aren't just, you know, at every other state school that you can see. Now they have, I'm sure they have their own problems, but, you know, seeing him operate in that environment, I think has allowed me to, you know, if we talk about putting scaffolding up, he talks a lot about that. It's, it's trusting the scaffolding that you've put in place and the systems that you've put in place and understanding that those are going to be the guide. So in moments of high stress and high intensity, and when things get crazy, you just refer back to the systems that you've put in place and trust that those are going to kind of guide you in all the decision making that you're going to have. Imagine a bank that cares about you, one that sees their customers as part of a team with a common goal to achieve their dreams. Well, imagine that. There is one. We're Amarant. We're ready to help you wherever you are in life and just as importantly, wherever you want to go. Amarant, official hometown bank of the University of Miami Hurricanes, member FDIC. So speaking of Vanderbilt, just kind of from what I've read, right, there was there had been a gap in winning, I guess, before you guys got yeah. there. And obviously yeah. there's a there's a you have to build to a certain point. What was the key to building? that allowed you to turn that corner. I think in 2017, you'd made your first tournament. You just alluded to winning the SEC, but you got to, like you said, you got to trust the scaffolding, right? So what yeah. was the, what was the scaffolding? Like what allowed you to, what you put up, what you guys put up there that allowed you to have things in place that you could turn that corner ultimately. And how did that happen? Yeah. I think the first thing you have to have buy-in from the right people in the program. And I think at, when we got there, there were a few folks in place that, you know, allowed us to bring in the mentality and the methodology and they gravitated to it. Um, and they were such dynamic leaders. I mean, Lydia Simmons, Simone, Charlie, Tina DeZeo, Aaron Myers, like people that I think of off the top of my head. And I know there was more, but those folks really bought into the messaging that we brought and had leadership qualities that everyone was willing to follow for different reasons. You know, Aaron was intense. Simone was very thoughtful. Lydia was, you know, watch me how I do it. And, you know, and Tina was like the hammer that, you know, everyone really respected because she brought it every single day. So, you know, to me, it was, it was, you have, you have to have, you know, folks in place that are willing to, to jump in with both feet and trust, you know, what you're putting in. And then, you know, the next biggest thing is making sure that, you don't have to shake everything up and, you know, completely blow it up from the inside. We went in there and we were careful and we were respectful of the young women that were there and kind of said, look, these are the behaviors and these are the values that we see as successful in college athletics. And if you align with that, you're going to have a lot of joy in this program. If you don't align with that, that's okay, but maybe this program isn't for you. And, you know, some of those things that will you know, that I have found success in over our time, you know, I'm going to bring in here and it's not for everybody, but that's the point. Can you share some of those? Are you willing to share I, any of that? I, I think, I think they're, you know, I think they're best for each team because each team, you know, in each uh, program values different things that help them be successful in that, 
in that. So what do you value? How about that? What do you value? Yeah, good, good. I think, you know, hard work is one of the things that I grew up on because again, like, you know, you can bring that every single day. You know, you can be competitive every single day. So those are two values and behaviors that I think are vital. The next would be trust and honesty. You know, you have to be able to stand in front of someone and they need to be able to believe wholeheartedly what's coming out of your mouth. It's going to help them on their path forward. And then I have to be able to stand in front of somebody else and trust what they're telling me is going to be beneficial to what I want to do moving forward. So, you know, there's a, there's a number of other things and I'm going to leave it to the team here to try to, to figure out those things with us. Um, but we, we operated out of those four things immediately at Vanderbilt. And it, again, it, there are things that you can control every single day when you wake up in the morning, it's not, you know, technical ability, it's not your fitness, it's not how you understand the game. It's four behaviors that when you wake up in the morning, you make conscious decisions about, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to be really competitive. I'm going to be truthful with my word. I'm going to trust what other people tell me. If you can do those four things every morning, you're going to be in great shape for the rest of the day. So you were by Darren's side for 14 years. So I imagine, and Mm -hmm. you said your relationship and your role grew, right? Like you took on more, you went from being assistant to associate and you handled different buckets. What are you looking for, I guess, and how you're going to shape your staff? And how important is it to have that alignment as you begin your journey with this program? Yeah, I think, you know, some of the challenges of being a first-time head coach are real. You know, sitting in the chair, you're, you know, I have found, you know, we need to have some folks on staff that are good at what I do already, which is recruiting, you know, and and also people that really believe in the mission that I'm trying to put forward here. Those two things are going to be the lifeline and lifeblood of what we're doing so far. And then, you know, obviously, as we fill out the rest of the staff, we'll see, you know, what other things kind of come up. But, you know, like I mentioned to you before, like those values aren't and behaviors aren't something that that I'm going to expect from the players. They're not something that I'm going to expect anything different from our staff either. You know, super competitive and hungry people, a good network of trust and honesty with each other. And if we can do that, we're going to be in really good shape. So I lied, which is going to be, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be on your staff because oh. <laughs> I'm not going to be on your staff. Cause I just, I lied to you. Cause I said, I think I said, this would be a one question oh. one question pod back at the beginning. How did you get here? But here's the other whopper for you, sure. which is man, this is the million dollar question, right? But you're building this thing, right? You're, you you yeah. have it. You kind of said you saw Miami, it kind of aligned with the places you'd been. You saw a lot of potential. Yeah. It starts where, like, what is, what is sort of the, how do you build it? How do you accomplish it? What do you see as being the things that need to happen to get you where you are? You came in here to have success. So how do you sort of start that process? With the opening of the transfer portal, it allows you to make, you know, changes to your roster pretty quickly. But just like I mentioned to you before, you know, you Darren didn't go into Vanderbilt and, you know, we didn't go in there with, you know, expectations of like completely turning over a roster. Thing, right? you, yeah. No, you go in, look, I mean, the young women in the program chose Miami for a reason. And I need to figure out again, who's going to align with the behaviors and, you know, core values of what I want to bring. And I, I don't know that yet, but I do know that, you know, through graduating, some players that have graduated and moved on and some young ladies electing to not take their fifth year, you know, may potentially going somewhere else. There are holes in the roster that we can fill with folks that are, that I've known for a long time, kind of in the recruiting process, maybe 
you know, four or five years ago. Um, and then since that being at Vanderbilt and kind of doing, you know, being there to start the transfer portal operation, you know, again, I want to make sure that I'm super intentional with the folks that are here first. And I want to make sure that, you know, I want to find out if they want to align with, you know, again, our playing style and our behaviors and those things. And, you know, those are going to be lengthy conversations over the next few months in the spring. And then it's about recruiting and making sure that we bring in the type of athletes that are capable of competing against some of the best teams in the country. I was looking at the the brackets now for the championship. We, we got to close the gap here a little bit, man. I'll but tell you look, what. at least there's only one way, right? You're only looking up. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's why this league is attractive. You know, you, you get to experience, you know, playing at that level. And I think, you know, for, for us, it's going to be wanting players that have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder to say, you know what, maybe they didn't get recruited. Maybe they, you know, want to prove everybody wrong. You know, we start from there. Plus you got to, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I do believe in my, in my, I'm a, I've been around college athletics, not around college yeah. soccer per se, but it's not, I don't think it's hard to entertain uh, a per, a prospect from the Northeast. And I'm not just going to, you know, I'm not going to single out the Northeast, but you know, Hey, come down to Miami, check out the totality. Like you said, experiences, right? Penn, um, you know, high achieving academic, high achieving athletic Vanderbilt, the same way Miami, but yeah. like the totality of the experience of being, at a small private school in a wonderful city. Yeah. And I think, you know, the recruiting world has gotten much smaller there. You know, kids are now more willing to travel the country um, to go all, you know, to go all over the place. So I think for us, our recruiting really is, you know, it spans across the country and, you know, I've gotten more emails from England and Sweden and Norway in the past week than I had in my entire time in Nashville, I mean, everyone knows what this city is across the world. I'm John Davis, Secretary of the Florida Lottery, and I'm proud to lead an agency that is creating brighter futures for Florida students, families, and communities. As the primary funding source of the Bright Future Scholarship Program, the lottery has helped nearly one million students reach their dream of a post-secondary education. And we will continue to do our part to ensure that every student across this state is aware of these opportunities and has the resources needed to succeed. Because together, we can build a brighter future for all. Now, your previous boss had this to say about you, that you are a deep down, he's a networker. And he's a relationship. Let me see if I got, he's a relationship guy. Yeah. So, and you said that you're good, at, you're a good recruiter. You've been told, you called a great recruiter. Why has that come to you? You know, I just, I think a lot of, a lot of coaches out there, you know, as club coaches really value their relationships as well with their players too. And they want to see their kids go off and do great things. And they're going to help those folks that, that they feel that they can trust and that they feel like they're going to, their players are going to have a great uh, relationship and an experience with. So, you know, over time, you know, it's not, it's, it's calling different folks around the country, maybe when they don't necessarily have a player for you, you know, it's, it's making sure that you're, you know, constantly checking in on people and making, you know, and, and building those relationships when, again, it's not calling them when you only need something, you know, Pretty, and, Oh, there's Ken. He must want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, no, like exactly right. And he must need something. Yeah. And, and again, like my wife laughs all the time because I'm on the phone you know, all the time. And my kids, you know, we're always in the car and I'm on the phone. I'm like, okay, guys, like dad's on a call and they, they know, and you know, they're hilarious. 
with that. So it's, I mean, it's, it's part of it. It's she's in the business, right? She coaches uh high school soccer. Yeah. And she's a, we gotta get her a job down here. Yeah, we gotta seriously. find her a place. She's a, yeah, she's an unbelievable teacher. The school that she works at the university school in Nashville is my daughter's in second grade there. So it's, it's really cool. Now how does, does she critique Ken's, <laughs> uh, will be she watching tape with you will, will she be in the office watching tape no but at the same time like she's very careful to kind of have conversations with me and i i do talk with her about you know potentially speaking about with players and things like that and you know she was one of the ones that was like you know when you stand in front of this group of folks just imagine you know what it's like for you know again obviously young women in, in college are very different than a seven-year-old in, in school, but it's, it's the same level of anticipation and nerves and potential anxiety of, you know, dealing with someone new in their lives. And, you know, I had, my initial conversation was very like, you know, let's go do this. We're going to march to, you know, we're going to march to success. And Megan's like, just stop, just, <laughs> you know, she, she's a big person. She's a person that loves to say, you need to do a self-check. And, you know, I did a self-check and I was like, edit, yeah. edit that, edit that. Yeah. Do a self-check and, and kind of manage your emotions here because there's going to be a lot of feelings in the room and make sure that you're, you're addressing them appropriately. Have you been to the stadium? You've been the Cobb? Yeah, I walked, I walked, it's funny. I walked out there yesterday or two days ago and my face was on the big scoreboard and, nice. and, and, you know, Dan made a comment, like I come walking in, I see your face on the big scoreboard. He's like, did you organize that? And no, our, you our, said that to the wife in. and be like, yeah, self check. <laughs> Don't tell me who to self check. My face is, my face is on a <laughs> I billboard. Know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's so surreal though. I mean, I, I coach soccer, you know, and I, I think I get to affect the lives of, you know, 30 young women on our program and, you know, I get to, you know, be in the Miami sun and, and kind of go through this process. And it is unbelievable, the resources that are being afforded to us here. And I say that with all sincerity, like those little details are ones that I know families will value. And I know that's big stuff, but if they're committed to doing that for me, the little details and how they, they will manage the, their kids when they come here is really important. And I think parents will find value in that. The last couple of things, then I'll get you back into the portal. Oh no, you're in a, you're in dead period, right? So can you dead no, period? No, so no portal. Or you can be in the portal, maybe not. Maybe no, no one else can be. Uh, so the baseball coach welcomed you and he, he invited you <laughs> for the first that. right now. I'm just going to give you a little piece of advice. If you take him up on the offer, you got to negotiate. Not only am I throwing the first pitch, that stadium, that environment is well known for its milkshakes. Like get they have out. like world famous uh, Mitch, the milkshake man has been there like 40 years. No way. Uh, yeah. Like the lines that go are out the door. So get just, out. Oh, that's just awesome. Just negotiate that. Like you got a VIP, you know, <laughs> nice waiting okay. for you before. All right. As long as I don't bounce it in. Yeah. Well, I mean, then they might take it away that, that they might yeah, take it away. Yeah, yeah. And then the last thing is, I, I, cause this, this hit home can uh, not beyond pen, beyond sports, beyond anything is, and I don't know where I caught this. I had to catch this on social media. That you made lunch for your three-year-old, and he said your it was both terrible and incredible. <laughs> all this, and and I'm I'm a I'm a father of two middle school kids who go to public school, who I still make their lunch for, and yeah, that 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 hit that hit right between the eyes right there. It's I I didn't know how to I don't know how to process that. I mean, at the moment when I'm home, um, and I'm excited to get home. I'm gonna get home in the next day or so here, making dinner and being around the family. We trained in the morning at Vanderbilt, like 
you know, my wife and I, you know, kind of have this thing where one of us does drop off, one of us does pick up, like, you know, and as long as we can have one of those things in, you know, we're going to be just fine. But, but dinner is one of those things that I just, it's, it's the bane because we, I make typically four different dinners, <laughs> one for me, one for my wife, one for Landon. It sounds like, it sounds Miller. like my wife, my wife is making, I'm like, why can't we just make one meal? And like, she's like, I'm like, you don't have to make all this. Just make one and call it. Yeah. But Drew likes this and Parker wants that. Yeah. And you have oh, this and I have God. that. I'm like, God. Yeah. But in the morning, it's funny when I'm like, hey, Drew, do you want, you know, Doritos or sour cream? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, just pack it. They get what they get. I'm like, well, maybe, yeah. you know, listen, take your own advice later on in the day. Yeah, exactly. No, but it's, you know, it was funny. That's the part where I get to connect with them and I get to kind right. of be, you know, be around them. Well, listen, the, the record evening. states for itself when I open up the Tupperware. If it's if it's all gone, I did good. If it's <laughs> fair, like, fair. Did not, fair enough. Did a bad job. All right, Ken. Thank, oh, whoa, last thing. Did you ever, because this is the pen thing, ever yep. go to, did you ever go to Smokey Joe's? I will neither confirm nor deny my That's time a yes. there. That's a yes. <laughs> That's a yes. That's a yes. My buddies make fun of me because um, the guys I broadcast UM games with, right? Because we played Temple yeah. at Franklin Field, like, I don't know, like 20 years ago. I don't forget yeah. how long it was. And my guys, like, they're in the catwalk and one of them banged his head on the piping and he was, they were all making, <laughs> they're all making fun of me because, you know, this is where you went to school and yeah. this, is, this is your athletic, this is Man. like your, this is, you know, this is, this is what it's all about. And then I took the keys out because we had to jingle them for a key play and they threw toast on the field. I'm like, yeah, don't make yep. fun of this, dude. This is, this it's, is where it's at. It's very cool. And you know, the, the history around there, the movies they shot there and, um, so when I, I went frankly, back, I think I told you, I don't know if this was on or off, but when I went back, when we played Temple and I went back and cruise campus, I did make, I was like, I'm going to smokes. Now it was a oh, little different awesome. being there at like four in the afternoon than at two in the morning. <laughs> but, um, it, you asked if things look different, that looked pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there were I a mean, couple I'm, less people I, in there. I spent more time at the white dog and new deck and right. And Other part of campus. Than, I got you. Yeah. 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 But I got you. Yeah, well, I appreciate I appreciate you having me on, man. This yeah, Ken, awesome. thanks for doing this. Welcome, and um, we look for big things from from you. So there's no pressure. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> pressure. My dad says pressure makes diamonds, so we'll try. All right, have a great day. Thanks for doing this. Thanks. Take it easy. All right, Ken Masur, your new coach, women's soccer, University of Miami, on the Behind You podcast.